Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast live from Green Bay, only it isn't live when you see it. It's live when we're doing it right now. And then when you either see it or listen to it, it'll be either on tape or whatever they call tape in only uh, words or only audio. Uh, So I don't know what that is. Anyway, we're here in Green Bay, and I'm joined by my good friend Kaylin Kaler. Now, for those who don't know Kaylin, Kaylin works for The Athletic. She covers the National Football League. She does some really good investigative work. She has recently reported on the Northwestern hazing scandal. She just does a fabulous job. And the reason that Kaylin is here today, it's because it's a little reunion because I formerly worked with Kaylin. She was a colleague at the MMQB, which was my uh, website, my microsite, as it was called. Uh, at Sports Illustrated. So I wanted Kaylin to come on to talk about uh, some NFL stories that are percolating right now, to talk about the Green Bay Packers, because you were here today reporting on the Packers. But also, I think it's really, really important that we start off now I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this for a second because we are you are gonna tell a story in a minute. But first I do want to tell what we're going to do on this podcast today. So we're going to have three guests uh, as we go along in the show. Our first guest is going to be 2019 National Football League Most Valuable Player, uh, Lamar Jackson. He will be joining us. I recorded this last week in Owings Mills, Maryland at Ravens training camp. Then we'll be joined by free agent tight end, uh, free agent signing, tight end of the Atlanta Falcons, Janu Smith, uh, reunited with Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith in, uh, in Atlanta. And then finally, uh, you're going to hear from Bryce Young, first pick in the draft, the Carolina quarterback. We talked to him uh, at Spartanburg, or in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, interesting conversation. He's such a nice young man, and it's weird to say that for a guy who has the uh, sort of all the hopes and, and dreams of an NFL franchise in his hands. But you know, Bryce Young still looking a little bit like he's 18 years old. But anyway, we'll talk to those three players a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, and then I'll give you a few thoughts 
uh, going out about uh, our trip and where we're going to be going in the next week before I join you next week from Denver with the podcast. So, Kaylin, I want to start off by you telling your favorite story about Peter King. And your favorite story about Peter King came from one of these training camp trips to Atlanta, Georgia, (laughs) a few years ago when you and I worked together at the MMQB. And you, I believe, were going to live stream our day Yes. On the training camp trip from Atlanta that day. Yeah, we were big into social media back yes. then. And yeah. Facebook Live had just been invented. So we were like, okay, we have to do a whole day of our training camp tour in our car, in the van, at the team stop, you know, at dinner at Waffle House. I believe it started at Waffle House the, was when the day, well, after this event is when the day really began. Um, so we were like, I told Peter the night before, it was very clear. I told you, we're going to be live the whole day. I said, when I knock on your hotel room door, I will already be live. This is very clear. The audience needs to know that I made this extremely clear to him. And so I'm not so sure about that. So I told him, I was like, I'm literally, so I knocked on his door and my, I have a phone in my hand, like, like I'm clearly recording. So any sane person would look at me and know that I was recording. And he opened the door to his hotel room. It's like 6.30 in the morning, maybe like 6.45 at the latest. And he just opens the door and he looks like How did so, I look? He looked terrible. He, he looked like so tired and like like something had happened. And I was like, um, and I was, again, like the phone was in front of my face. And I was like trying to like make it clear. Like I'm on camera, but I didn't want to say it. So I was like, good morning, Peter. Like, how are you? You know? And he's like, I laundered my phone. And, and I was like, what? Or actually, I think what you said is, I don't have a phone anymore. I think yeah. that was the direct quote. And then I was like, what then happened I said, to it? Then I and said, then you said it. Can, can I just say, repeat the line? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's how I said it. I laundered my phone. That's exactly right. Yeah. It was like the most depressed tone of voice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Because at the time, he keeps saying we were colleagues, but like I was his assistant at the time. I was like the lowest, you know, I was like, you know, just out of college, I was working for Peter. And so I knew that the whole rest of my day was going to be figuring out how to get him a new phone. And this was, this, this was, was it the first time he... I don't know. There was like two times I had to replace your phone. And then a third time when this is my other favorite story. You'll remember this when I say it. He accidentally tweeted his phone number out. I did that. Yeah. (laughs) He meant to DM it to, I believe, Stacy James, the PR guy of the uh, (laughs) Which I don't know why you were Twitter DMing him and not texting him. I don't know. And instead of DMing, I was doing 900 things at once and I made a mistake. Can you accept the fact I made a mistake? And he tweeted it out and he was trying to get Stefan Gilmore. I remember this like yesterday. You were like, when can I get Stefan Gilmore? And then you sent your phone number (laughs) and it was a tweet to everyone. So then he gets all these calls from people who got his phone number off of Twitter. I got 2,200 <laughs> phone calls. That was the night I was writing my column. That was a Sunday night. It was like a playoff so by like, Yeah, by like, like 4.30 in the morning. AFC Championship, I, probably. I looked at the thing. I had missed 2,200 and something phone calls. So then the next day, I don't even know how I did it this time, but I had to figure out how to get him a new phone number. <laughs> and yeah, so that's, that was an adventure. Yeah, yeah. that was bad. <laughs> But anyway, it seemed to work out. And, you know, the good thing out. is, the good thing is, 
you're still alive. I didn't yes. kill you right. <laughs> on any of these trips or on any of the misadventures right. that we had. Right. And we can laugh about that now. I don't think so. And we laughed at the time as well. So. But, but I will just say this. I'm incredibly proud of what you have oh, done. thank you. You've really done great work. And I think the thing that I kind of, I admire about you most is that you are dogged and you do not take no if you don't want to hear no. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to take no, but you're very, very good at figuring a way to get to yes. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is that, look, one of the reasons why you came to work for us, you were one of three applicants for the job, and uh, the other two editors at the website, Mark Moravik and Matt Gagne, said, we got to hire Kalen. I said, but the other two writers who have applied for this job are really more accomplished or were more accomplished mm-hmm. in college than Kaylin. Why Kaylin? And so Mark basically said, she's just going to get the job done, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, glad to have you on the podcast. Let's talk about two or three uh, topics. So you and I were at the Packers today. Yes. And I'm going to end up writing next week in my column about Jordan Love. And Jordan Love seems like a very, very nice guy, very careful guy. But, and he's had an in and out training camp, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that Matt LaFleur is depressed or think he's not going to make it or anything like that. But tell me what you've learned about, about uh, this young quarterback, Jordan Love stepping into huge shoes, and what, how do you think he's going to do? Yeah, I think you're right. It has been up and down, and today's practice in particular just showed that because the offense in team period with, with Love with the starters, he threw an interception on his, first, on his first play of team period. So that obviously was not a great start, and Jair Alexander, um, the corner, he didn't make the interception. I believe it was Darnell Savage who made it. Um, but Jair started chirping at the offense, you know, saying things like, let's go, you know challenging them basically and I talked to Jair after and he was like I didn't like how our offense started they started out really flat and that's not okay like I will not accept that and so he was chirping at them to sort of like get them back into it and by the end of practice by the next team period uh, they finished with two touchdowns Jordan Love did so um, that was much better but I do think it's I don't know what to think about him quite yet. I think we need to see him. And I don't know what their plan is for if he's going to get any preseason action. I'm sure he won't get significant preseason action. But I don't know that we can really make any judgments this at this point. Um, but Jair, I asked him, you know, what should we know about Jordan? Like, we don't really know anything about Jordan. What should we know about him? And even some of the reporters here were like, I, you know, just chatting with them um, off to the side, they were like, yeah, we don't really know what to make of him yet as a person, not even as a player. Just like, they're like, we didn't really talk to him much as a backup. Like, I'm not sure what his personality is like. I'm not sure, you know, much about him at all. So I asked Jair, what should we know about him? And Jair said, well, he really cares. And then Jair told me, so they had family fest here. I believe it was Saturday night and Jordan, the offense did not play well. Um, I don't know the exact stats, but it wasn't a good day for the offense. Right. And so Jair said afterwards in the locker room, he asked Jordan, how do you think you guys did? And Jair, 
is pretty sassy and as a personality and he was like i knew how they did i saw it you know like he was, he was obviously there right so he knows that the offense didn't play well but he wanted to know what jordan would say he wanted to know what jordan's answer would be because that was going to tell him a lot about who this quarterback is and how he views the game in his own game and he said that jordan was really upset about it and was frustrated and was in the cold tub or the hot tub or both in one of the tubs um with film, watching film already. And he said that he and Jordan were the last people in the building there until about midnight. Um, and I'm sure they probably finished around, what, nine, I would say. Like, I think it was at seven, six or seven. So, you know, they were there pretty late after this fan fest. And Jair said that really meant a lot to him to see that Jordan was, one, not happy with the performance, and two, willing to put in extra time um, already that night. And he's like, if he had, you know, if he'd been okay with that, I would have had a problem. But he's like, his head is in the right place. Hmm. Yeah. The one thing that I think Matt LaFleur likes about what he sees so far, look, when Matt LaFleur walked into this job, uh, it was going to be hard to coach Aaron Rodgers in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was going to do some different things on offense, but and LaFleur gave me this example which I thought was really, really good. He said so Aaron Rodgers has probably the best cadence in recent NFL history. Drawing people offside, nobody does it better than he does, and all this. So, he said I I, I don't want to tell him anything about that. It's perfect. But now he wants to take Jordan Love, and he wants to go strip it right down to the bare walls and teach him everything about the cadence. Mm-hmm. And he said, the reason why I think that's important is because I want everything to be built properly. I don't want to skip any steps. Yeah. So even though Jordan Love has done some work with the cadence before, now the work to do it perfectly, you know, in the gospel of Matt LaFleur, begins in this in this offseason in this training camp so I look at it and I say you know let's look at where Jordan Love is right now he's learning a lot of the mechanical things for the first time Mm -hmm. he's learning how to say these monstrously long plays in the huddle like every play instead of just a few plays of practice because he's the understudied Aaron Rodgers and then he's doing it with two second-year wide receivers. A third wide receiver is going to play a lot, Jaden Reed, who's a rookie, a rookie tight end. And so how in the world do you expect in that situation to hit the ground running? Right. In fact, if I were a Green Bay Packers opponent, I would really want to play you early. Yeah. Because I think that early is going to be a problem for this team. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't sense in talking to uh, the brass or a couple of the leading players, I don't sense alarm bells going off mm-hmm. about Jordan Love. We'll see how he plays. Yeah. But I think anybody – I'll never forget this. Aaron Rodgers gets drafted in 2005. And so at the time, you know, I'm making trips through – training camps and I remember 05, 06, 07 coming to Green Bay and Bob McGinn who covered the Packers yeah. for so long you know was kind of roasting Aaron <laughs> Rodgers 
he was not playing well. And I just said to myself, well, if Rodgers gets roasted, and let's think back to 92 when Brett Favre takes over, and he's getting killed for throwing all those interceptions. So, again, Jordan Love might not make it. I don't right. know. But I think to make any value judgment very early with all of those situations in play, I think is probably wrong. I want to ask you one other question about this team. So I talked to several people here while I was here and said, you're sort of a unique team. You operate kind of as a continuum. When the expiration date is nearing the end, even on a Hall of Fame quarterback, he gone, and you go with the next guy. So what do you think of that? And what do you think players think of that? I think it was, I mean, I think it was the right move in this scenario because yeah. Aaron was so clearly just done. done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I don't even know that it was really like a business choice. It was like just the logical, like, all right, like this isn't working personality wise. We're not meshing anymore. Like it's, we've gotten what we can get out of this uh, relationship and like, this contract and, and this player. So it made sense from a business sense. And then also just from, I mean, just logically when you looked at the team. And so, um, yeah, I, as a player, I don't know what I would think of that. I would think like, it just kind of shows you like, again, I think the players all are very aware that like, no matter who you are, your time will come. I think they're yeah. all very aware of like the truth of the NFL of, of the business side of the NFL. Um, and I think they all learn that really early on in their careers, like something or another will happen, whether it's a teammate, um, like all the Colts players right now witnessing what's happening with Jonathan Taylor, I'm sure going through yeah. the same, um, the same process in their minds. So I think like, yeah, I think they all already have a sense of that, but here, you know, I think it's, it's very clear. Um, the other thing I will say is that about the about the Packers before we move on, they're not going to say it's a rebuilding year here, but I think it really is. Oh, I mean, it is. obviously, no yeah. And the one the one position that I think gives it away, aside from everything else, when you look at their backup quarterbacks right now, they just released Danny Etling, who was the only quarterback who had experience aside from Jordan Love in this quarterback room. And they drafted Sean Clifford, what, fifth round, I think, yeah. um, from Penn State. And then they have uh, their third quarterback is Alex Magoo, who was the USFL MVP, which is actually a really cool signing to see someone kind of jump from an alternative league to the NFL. But And he was previously in the NFL, so he's back in the NFL. But they don't have veteran ex – like, if Jordan right. Love gets hurt – they have a rookie fifth rounder or a USFL MVP who has like well, never played in an NFL game. But I will say this, just my thought. I think they're going to pick up a veteran you think so? at some point. Okay. Yeah, because it was interesting listening to the press conference of Matt LaFleur today, and I forget how he worded it, but he basically said, this isn't the final roster. Right, okay. So everybody right. hang on. Like relax, yeah. yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I don't know what they'll do. Here's the other thing I wanted to ask you. So you cover the NFL, you work on NFL stuff, except when you're sort of delving into the Simone Biles story. Yeah, Because yeah. you're sort of a gymnastics yeah. person. Uh, you covered her in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, over the weekend. But tell me something that you're working on or you're on the verge of writing or you just recently have written 
that you think is really, really interesting and maybe a little bit of an untold story right now about the NFL. Tell me what interests you right now that, uh, that you think is going to be a story this year. Um, I think there's a few things, but one of the things you actually already just mentioned was, which is cadences. Like I've, I meant to write this last year and then I just never got around to it, but I have interviewed a lot of backup quarterbacks and their perspective on like how they have to be, they have to sound exactly like the starter, um, with the, with the cadence, like down to the rhythm and even the tone of voice that they use so that when they come into a game, they're not confusing the offensive line and causing penalties along the line so that's something that I've been working on for like a year but like not really because I kind of forgot about it Um, but I'm revive I'm gonna revive that soon so that's something interesting that's just like an inside the game but you 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 know what you you know what you did that was really interesting I thought was you did a lot of stuff with backup quarterbacks because you did a backup quarterback podcast yeah which is fun you know which I need to I don't know when my season two is going to be like I'm waiting for like more like planning at the athletic essentially. Cause I think we're going to turn it into more of a video component instead of yeah. mostly a podcast. Um, cause I think it could be, be really fun as like a mainly YouTube thing. So I haven't, um, I haven't like planned out a second season, but I did interview Kendall Hinton, the, oh, yeah. uh, Broncos wide receiver, right. Right, squad wide receiver who had to play quarterback in 2020 when, their entire quarterback room broke the COVID protocol yeah, and was yeah. put on the COVID list, which is just like an iconic moment in backup quarterback <laughs> history, in my opinion. And I was like, he's like, he was like my dream guest. Like, and it was so interesting to hear from him because he really thought, and I thought this was so honest and candid from him. I was like, did you think you were going to play well? Because he'd played in college. Yeah. He had been an ACC Forest, quarterback. Right? Yeah, yeah Wake yeah. Forest. And he's like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I really. And it was a debacle. <laughs> it was. It was a total horrible. debacle. Yeah, it, it could not. Well, have, but but yeah. the reason it was a debacle is that he found out ten minutes exactly. before the game, or you know, yeah. twenty four hours but before the he game. He basically said after his first play, he yeah. realized his his visions of grandeur <laughs> died immediately. Yeah. He was like, it took one play for me to be like. Oh no! Like <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. This is not going to go one well. Out of nine or yeah, he was yeah. one for nine. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. So that was interesting. So that's something that I've been working on. That at some point I will finish. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think like something else. I'm just going to keep an eye on. I don't really have a specific angle with it right now. Is just the gambling suspensions. Like that's obviously been big news this off season. You know. You know. I'll tell you what I find interesting about that. I wrote this in uh, Football Morning in America this week that a general manager on this trip told me, he said, you know, what really worries me is that I can tell you at some point a player is going to just give a tip to his uncle, might be a little down on his luck. Yeah. And who knows, will the uncle make, five grand and right and so people and that's, will start, a, that's a violation yeah uh, it is yeah. people will start looking into it hey what's his relationship and you know one of the things i think and the nfl has done a good job uh, of of hiding exact ways that they can be on somebody's trail yeah okay because listen in the old days it was hard to trace things like this but it isn't a paper trail anymore. It's basically a virtual trail yeah. that the NFL can more easily 
chase and, and follow. So if I were a player, and especially because these apps are so easy to use, I just uh, I had an interesting talk the other day with a player uh, in the Atlanta training camp who basically said, listen, no, it was in Cleveland, I'm sorry, Cleveland, who said essentially, he goes, why would you bet mm-hmm. anyway? You know, maybe in the off season, if you want to bet, that's fine. But it's insane that you think that it's worth it to try to beat the rules. Right. When, you know, in his mind, it was a great line. He goes, nobody's any good about gam- on yeah. gambling anyway. Right. So why would you think you can beat the system? And anyway, but I agree with yeah. you. Something is going to happen. Yeah with a big player who shouldn't be doing this and stupidly does it because so many players think they're bulletproof. And the one thing I learned from my reporting, which is, I think, a sign that there is going to be more of this, is that the way that I understand it is it's it's really initiated by the state. So states audit violations, and within their own like laws and regulations, like they have a lot of language about you know, athletes using sports betting apps. So like if a licensed operator like FanDuel like catches on that there's a player placing a bet or there's a bet coming from a place that's suspicious, they have an obligation to report it to the state. So when the state gets word of that or when the state does their own audit, that is when the NFL gets involved with this. And the way, the reason that's scary is because if a state hasn't done its own audit like this year, it doesn't mean they're not going to do it in like two months or next year. So if you're a player and you placed a bet last season from your facility, and you now know, oh, that wasn't allowed, but you didn't really understand it at the time when you did it, because I think a lot of guys weren't clear on the policy, but now they definitely are. Yeah. You still you still could get busted for that, yeah. even though it happened like a year ago. Right. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what this, I don't know if there is a statute of limitations on this stuff, but it's kind of scary because it might be two years old, and you might still yeah. get caught. The weird thing about the NFL is that, they can suspend guys for things they did before they signed an NFL contract. Yeah. And so, look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but we definitely have not seen the last scandal right. with betting on football. Kayla, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Peter. Uh, look forward to reading you during the year and learning a lot about the sport I cover from you. Thanks, and it's great to be reunited. All right. So we're going to go right now from Green Bay to Owings Mills, Maryland to the uh, uh, training camp of the Baltimore Ravens. And we're going to take a break first, but after our break, we're going to get to Lamar Jackson. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At Ravens Camp in Owings Mills, Maryland with the Lamar Jackson. Lamar, did you ever think, really, that you weren't going to be here? To be honest with you, Mr. Peter, I thought I was going to be here um, throughout the whole process. Uh, it's just part of the business, you know, all the this and that, you know, hearing different different topics of what's going on between myself and the Ravens. But I'm here now, and I'm grateful. I'm happy. I feel like the fans are happy. I feel like my teammates are happy. The whole staff is happy. Like I said, I'm happy. Is it a different feeling for you now being secured, having signed, than it was the last couple of years when there were all these questions about it? To be honest, uh, I'll say, yeah, just because of the question part, all yeah. of the question parts. But, you know, early on in my career, like the first three years, I wasn't hearing anything about it. It was pretty smooth. And then all of a sudden when the topic of, you know, contract signing, the new deal and stuff like that, that's when I started hearing other things I disagree with. But, like I said, I'm happy. Everyone else is happy. And we're good. One more question about it. Say it again? One more question about okay, that. Okay, cool. Okay? Okay. What caused you the night that you called Eric DaCosta and he's watching the NBA game on TV and you said something to the effect of, send me that contract and I'll sign it or whatever it is you said. What went through your mind after being seeming that it was so far away? Uh, actually, uh, Eric had sent me an offer that I was pretty, pretty cool with. And as you can see, you know, we, we all are cool with it. Uh, like I said, it was just an offer I agreed with. And I was like, just send it over. And then I, not knowing that his team had lost that night, but I'm happy I made his <laughs> night. <laughs> I want to ask you one question about Zay Flowers okay. and this year's team. You wanted Zay Flowers to get drafted. And in fact, when you announced that you had agreed to the contract, like four hours later, the Ravens draft Zay Flowers. What was your role in drafting Zay Flowers? I can't really tell you my role in drafting him. You know, I, I told Eric, you know, I just sent him a message like, I like this dude a lot. You know, his, his game is crazy. You know, he's from South Florida, just like I am. And as soon as, like you said, you know, I, I signed the deal. And next thing you know, he was drafted. It was like, that was all God right there. That was all God. Let's talk a little bit about this offense right now. Mm -hmm. What I've read, what I've heard, it's going to be a faster-paced offense. If you had average 65 plays a year ago a game, maybe it'll be 70, 72, 74. Yep. Tell me your initial impressions working with Todd Munkin on this offense. Uh, my first initial reaction, it's a lot of fast-paced, you know, a high-tempo high offense more. Uh, when it's, I say a lot, a little bit of college in it, like system-wise, but it's like explosive. You know, a lot of passing, a lot of down-the-field passing. A lot of get the ball out quick, you know, to my to my fast guys, and just get the ball out of my hand faster. And I'm liking it so far. I'm Are it. you? Is it? Do you think it's more suited to you than the offenses you've run here in the past? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. But the offenses, the offenses in the past was also smooth, you know. But um, you know, it's new new season, new age players. You know, um, different kinds of players coming into the league, and 
you know, a lot of faster guys, I'll say from back in the days, and, you know, when I first got into the league. So I guess it was just meant for Coach Todd to be here. I want to ask you two other things. Number one, the last two years, you've missed a total of 34% of the offensive snaps mm -hmm. because of injury. Mm -hmm. Do you view those as fluky injuries, or do you believe that you may have a problem staying healthy? I believe they are fluky Fluky injuries. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had a problem before, but like you said, last two years, and that's thirty-four percent. So I doubt I have that problem again. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. You feel totally healthy right now, entering this year. Yes, yeah, sir. I do. Yeah. Sixty-six more percent to go. <laughs> so, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, you get Odell Beckham in this offense, mm -hmm. and. I, I think about it. I think of Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely, Andrews. Yeah. It looks like, to me, you have quite a bit of weaponry, maybe more than you've ever had. How do you look at it? Uh, I'll say, um, yeah, here and there, you can say, you know, just because of the names, you know, OBJ, Mandrews, you know, he made himself a household name. Zay, you know, the second-year player. Um, the other Zay, Zay Flowers, a rookie. Got Nelly, a new addition to our team. Bate, you know, still on injury. Got Duve coming back, Pro coming back. We still got guys who were still in the system um, prior years who still developing, who's also good. But it's the, the new guys. We're going to see what our offense do. But I believe the sky's the limit for us. You got to be happy when Drake says you're his quarterback. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> were you surprised? I was. <laughs> but I was hyped. You know, it's Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, have a good year. Thanks. Appreciate you, Mr. Peter. My thanks to Lamar Jackson. Now let's go south to Flowery Branch, Georgia with the Atlanta Falcons. And here's my conversation with a new Falcon, Jonu Smith, the tight end. I'm with Jonu Smith, the Falcons tight end, and maybe a little bit more than just a tight end uh, here in Flowery Branch, Georgia at the Falcons. And Jonu, I remember watching you when you were with Arthur Smith with the Tennessee Titans. And there was a game or two where you're in the backfield, where you're split out wide, where you play tight to the formation as a traditional tight end. And now you're back with Arthur Smith in a place that a lot of people look at as a positionless offense where everybody is going to learn to play a lot. What is that like for you? That's, uh, that's who I am. Um, I, you know, I've considered myself a positionless player. Um, ever since I picked up a football, you know, it was nothing that I ever felt that I had limitations on. And, um, you know, that kind of um, led me to a, a lot of the success in, in, in my career, you know, from high school and, um, you know, obviously the NFL. So, um, you know, being able to, 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 to be um, in, in conjunction with a, with, a, with a man that believes in believes in that and knows, you know, that I am positionless and being able to, you know, uh, take advantage of, you know, get me the ball, you know, in, in many different areas on, on the field. And also, um, you know, not only getting me the ball, but allowing me to make plays for, for my teammates, you know what I mean, from, you know, various positions on the field. So to me, um, I believe that it's just another way to really um, e exploit all of the abilities and, and the talents that, I, that I'm blessed with, man. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's an honor for me to be um, in a position um, where I feel like uh, it's the best position for me. It probably was not a difficult decision once you left New England to come to Atlanta. 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, bittersweet. It definitely was bittersweet. You know, I had a great group of guys that I was surrounded by in that organization, um, you know, in that locker room. And um, I learned a lot in New England, you know, not only um, about, you know, X's and O's, but myself, you know what I mean? And really kind of realized, um, you know, what it is that I, that I kind of want out of this game. And uh, What do you want out of this game? To be me. To be me, man. And, you know, with that, with that, with that, uh, with that recipe, you know, I know that it's a lot of success for me out there. And, um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of other people that have benefit from that. I want to ask you about playing for Arthur Smith. A lot of people really don't know him. He's not a big, famous Belichick, Tomlin, Harbaugh type of coach. And so how would you describe what it's like to play for him and what's his offensive mind like? Well, um, since I came in this league, Arthur Smith was one of the first men, um, actually before, you know, I got in this league, Arthur Smith was um, a man that, you know, I met um, that was obviously on, on, on staff with the Titans and, you know, one of the first, you know, people I ever got to really talk to about X's and O's at this level. And um, he blew me out of the water. And, um, in know, terms of his knowledge. In terms of his knowledge, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been around the NFL coaching staff in college um, and, you know, kind of getting to the NFL, you still don't know much. But even then, I just knew it was something different about this guy. You know what I mean? And obviously, um, I was correct. You know what I mean? He, uh, the way he's just steadily grew over the years, not only the knowledge he possessed at that time, but the way he continued to improve and to grow and to push himself. Um, and to demand the best of himself and his and his players, um, he's that's why he's in this position for a reason. And uh, he's obviously, man, just an amazing coach. But he's in even more of an amazing person. And I think that's why um, it's a great fit for everybody in this locker room. I want to ask you one more thing. If I think of the term positionless player, mm-hmm. maybe the first three people who come to mind would be. Cordero Patterson, Jonu Smith, and Bijan Robinson, who you know, we don't know all that much about now, the rookie early in training camp. But what's it like kind of to have three of you guys? And maybe even more because Drake London has some versatility. Kyle Pitts plays in and out. So Absolutely. what's it like to be in your meeting rooms now? It's, it's, it's exciting, honestly, man. And I think it, uh, it pushes. We all push each other. Um, you know, just the, 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 the different ability that each of us possess, but being able to – all of us being able to be um, that word that you said, positionless, um, man, you can only imagine what type of um, energy that brings to that room and, and, and just wanting to go out there and compete and, and uh, you know, and, and, and do something – you know, better than the guy in front of you did before. And you look at the guy in front of you, he's a freak of nature. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's like, you know what I mean, man? It's, 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 I haven't really been um, a, part, been a part of a lot of great teams, a lot of great offensive rooms, but um, the, the level of versatility, I haven't been around it like this, man. So, um, again, an honor to be a part of it. John o. Smith, have a fun year here in Atlanta. Thanks a lot for joining you, me. Thank you. Yep. My thanks to John U. Smith. And before we get to the first pick in the draft, let's take a break and we'll be back with Bryce Young. Have you 
ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So before we get to Bryce Young, tell you a little bit of an inside football story. Basically, what happens after practice, usually... Uh, I'm with my crew, and we're waiting for players, coaches, everything. So Bryce Young comes over, and he's looking at me, and I can tell, have I met this guy before? Do I know this guy? He really doesn't. I met him at the Combine, and I said to him, hey, Bryce, Peter King with NBC. I met you at the Scouting Combine. He said, I remember you were over there at such and such a place, and, and he remembered, and He's only done 9,400 interviews since, and I talked to him for seven minutes in his life, and I just thought, it's an interesting guy. And I think sort of really kind of likes to please, likes to get along, but I now know what Frank Reich meant when he said his memory, his football memory about plays is totally, totally phenomenal. His memory about a lot of things, I think, is phenomenal. So here is Bryce Young in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, Panthers training camp, Bryce Young, the first pick in the NFL draft, already been named the starter of the Carolina Panthers. When Frank Reich told you that you were going to enter training camp as the starting quarterback of an NFL team, what did you think? Um, you know, I've, obviously it's, it's super humbling. Um, it's, it's a blessing. And, you know, really it, try to just be in the moment. I, there's, you know, so much I've been wanting to work on and focus on in camp. Um, and, you know, really it's, it's been a lot of that, a lot of meetings, a lot of talking, a lot of me trying to grow on the field and the meeting room and everything. So um, it, it's, it's, it's humbling. It's a huge boat of confidence. Um, you know, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, it just a reminder, I, I got to keep working. I got to get to work. I got to improve on things. I got to make sure I'm locked in and bowed in for training camp because, you know, things are right around the corner. So um, it was very humbling, but you know, also a good, good push and a good reminder to make sure that I'm, 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 I'm working. Bryce, has there been a moment early in training camp where you've basically said, this is my welcome to the NFL moment, I'm not in college anymore, or not really? Uh, you know, I think, I think for the most part it's, it's more off the field stuff. Um, you know, um, we, had a, we had a talent show. Um, How'd you that, do? Uh, you know, I'm biased. I had fun. <laughs> I had a good time. I don't know. What did the, you sing? Uh, I sang a song by Keisha Cole uh, called Love. Um, but I, I had a good time. I had a, you good, DJ? You, you want... No, all right. Yeah. Talk just, to the world, please. I'm just here to say I'm grateful for this young man right here. Yeah, he's a he's such a ray of sunshine. <laughs> I'm grateful for you too, man. I, let's see you. So, 
you 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 liked what you did in the in the show and you felt like I had a good time personally. I don't know. I didn't sound great, so I don't. I know heard how you got a good did. ovation though. Oh, okay, I you know just just try to put a little performance in there. That's yeah. that's all people are looking for. But yeah. it's fun. What was interesting about watching practice, and I only watch one practice, but what was interesting is that you threw the ball away four times, you ran out of bounds twice, and I hear that you have basically been told, listen, it's really important in this league. If it's not there, throw it away, live to fight another day. Is that something you're still getting used to? Have you always done that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's something that I've always kind of believed in and tried to, you know, embody. But, of course, the, at the step up and, you know, in a new league, you get reassured that and, you know, you know just how more precious points are at this level and how more important it is to not turn the ball over. So, you know, I think in practice is finding that healthy balance of me trying to take, you know, game-like reps and making sure that I'm going full speed and thinking like a game. Um, and, you know, in that being aggressive but not being careless and making sure that I'm smart with the ball and also pushing the limits and finding out what I can do, you know, making mistakes um, in practice because, you know, at a certain time, test, you know, this is the time to test things out and see what I can and can't do um, for when game rolls around and, you know, trying to find that balance. Um, but it's, it's definitely something I've always embodied. And we, we talk about it a lot as a, you know, as a, as a, as a unit. So, um, you know, I, I try to do everything I can to take care of the ball. Do you feel like you're ready in a month, will you be ready in a month to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Uh, yeah, and you know that's a credit to my coaches and uh, to the people around me. Um, you know, for me, it's just doing my doing my job, doing my part. Um, you know, going out and executing what the coaches are saying. Um, you know, obviously, you know it's a, it's a new step, it's a new chapter, a new challenge. But I try to focus on what I can control. And you know, I just wanted to go out there and execute the game plan that the coaches write up. Um, you know, lean on my teammates, uh, try to put them in positions because I'm I have a great great. 10 other guys around me every time I'm on the field. Um, so um, because of that, I don't, you know, I, I'm not, you know, again, it's a step up and it's it's a new challenge, but, you know, I'm just focusing on my part, executing and, and leaning on the people around me who have already, you know, pushed me and, and got me better. So, What would you say has been the benefit for you of having some veteran quarterbacks like Josh McCown, you know, your position coach, like Andy Dalton, who's been in the league for a long time? Take me into your conversations with them and some of the things they have helped you with. Man, I, if, if, I was, if I try to tell you about every conversation we had, we would never leave Spartansburg. Uh, but, you know, it's super, it, it's great to be able to have those guys in the room with me. Uh, Josh, Andy, um, just, again, so much years of experience. I'm Coach Reich the same way. Um, every, you know, we, we have a great quarterback room and guys that have had so much experience, not just around the league or in the league, but playing the position and, you know, just talking about what they've seen before, but what it looks like from the pocket, what they've gone through. Um, you know, we there's a bunch of times we talk about concepts or I've asked questions, and it's not just, oh, yeah, you probably should do this. It's, hey, I, we should do this because back here in 2018 versus this on third down, this happened, and this is. So it's, you know, it's so much years of experience that I'm able to pick off of and learn from it. You know, as a young guy, I, I, I ask all the questions I can, try to be a sponge and soak in all the knowledge and wisdom that, that's in that room because there, there's so much there. Have you felt any significance playing football now? Because everybody has talked about your height. You told me at the scouting combine, I've always been this size, so I've learned to play the position this size. Has it been at all different at this level? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think 
from a physical standpoint, again, it's learning a new, there's challenges for sure. You know, learning a new system, getting accustomed to new guys, there's, you know, different defenses, you're, you're going up against different guys, and, you know, there's no shortage of challenges that have pushed me and are making me a better player and that I have to keep working on and being better. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't, you know, height-wise, I, I think everyone is taller than me, like, which <laughs> it's been like that again. So, uh yeah, height, height-wise, I haven't seen anything. But, again, there, there's a bunch of things I want to keep improving at and getting better at. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of challenges that, the, you know, the, this new uh, league definitely does present. So I'm doing everything I can to keep working so that I could face those. Bryce Young, have a great year. Thank you. I appreciate you. My thanks to Bryce Young and also to Jonu Smith of the Falcons and also Lamar Jackson uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. Also, thanks to Kaylin Kaler of The Athletic uh, for – her help in the podcast here in Green Bay. Next week, I'll join you from Denver to discuss the last few stops on our trip. Uh, After here in Green Bay, we'll be going to Indianapolis, Chicago, and Kansas City. And I just might have an interesting tale to tell on the podcast next week. I will be throwing out the first pitch at the Quad City River Bandits game in Davenport, Iowa, on Wednesday night. So come one, come all. And and I just want to tell you this. If you haven't bought tickets already, I guarantee you, once word gets out that I'm going to be throwing out the first pitch, I mean, scalper fees, it'll be like a Taylor Swift show. You're going to have to pay $1,800 to get into uh, the Quad City River Bandits on Wednesday night in Davenport, Iowa. So... Look forward to talking to you next week from Denver. And thanks a lot for joining, experiencing, watching, listening to the Peter King Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.